glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. It's good to be back at Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church. Amen. And uh, thank you for praying for us this last week. We were over in Pinehurst, Idaho, and with Brother Pastor Inboat and his folks, and, and uh, started Sunday morning in Sunday school and preached through Friday night uh, on missions, the subject of missions, and God blessed, and his folks responded by faith and obedience, and it was a good week. Amen. His folks learned a new meaning of that verse that says, He that endures to the end, endureth to the end, shall be saved. They endured the meeting and they lived through it. So I noticed your pastor made the statement there a little while ago. He said, Be a good time for the Lord to come back. And then he said, Dad will be preaching here in a little while. But okay. You know where that's at. Amen. All right. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. I'm excited to be here tonight, uh, not only to get to preach, uh, praise the Lord for any opportunity uh, to get to preach, but to see somebody follow the Lord and believe his baptism. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Uh, somebody following the Lord and believe his baptism ought to, ought to thrill us to death. Yeah. It's the first step of obedience after we've trusted Christ as our Savior. We publicly, unashamedly claim to trust in the, that we've trusted in the death, the burial, and the bottle of resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not ashamed to identify with him. Isn't that good? How many remember the day you got baptized? Amen. I remember the day I did. First Corinthians chapter 15. If you want to and would like to and you can stand. We're going to read a few verses. First Corinthians 15. Uh, beginning in verse 51. And we're going to read these verses. And then we'll pray and we'll let you be seated. And with the Lord's help we'll try to put together... Some thoughts tonight, it would be a blessing, I hope, to you tonight. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51, the Apostle Paul, of course, writing under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, uh, said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That word sleep there is a word in the New Testament that describes, uh, can be used to describe a saint of God that has died. Amen? Because when you go to sleep, what's going to happen after a while? You're going to wake up. Amen? If you're saved, you're going to go to sleep in the Lord one day, and then God's going to wake you up. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore... My beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I want you to notice in verse 52 there, at the very first three words, in a moment. We're going to focus on that thought tonight and that word for a little while in the Word of God. 
and trust that God will encourage our hearts with that thought this evening. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, again, it's been a good day thus far. We thank you so much for your goodness and your grace, your mercy in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for that moment when you birthed us into the family of God, when we passed from death unto life, when we were born again, when we became new creatures in Christ. Lord God, how we praise your name tonight that we're saved by your good grace and mercy. Lord, I thank you for your people here being faithful to the house of God tonight. And dear Lord, we thank you for your precious word and we ask Holy Spirit of God that you'd make it fresh and alive and anew in our hearts this evening. May we be challenged and encouraged and strengthened and even changed for your glory and honor. Lord, uh, you know me, you know my heart. Dear God, you know uh, my inabilities. And I ask you, Lord, please help me tonight. Please direct my words and thoughts. And God, I just ask for your anointing to be able to preach your word in a way that would be acceptable unto you and usable for your glory and honor. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. If you're familiar with your Bible, you know the 1 Corinthians chapter 15 deals with that tremendous subject of the resurrection. And here the Lord is explaining to us that in a moment, in a moment we are going to be resurrected. The dead are going to be raised up and caught up to meet the Lord. And that incorruptible body is going to put on an incorruptible body. And that mortal body is going to put on an immortal body. And uh, he makes a statement in verse 55, O death, where is thy sting, O grave, where is thy victory? And that really uh, reveals the two parts to the resurrection. And uh, the resurrection of the saints of God is going to happen at the same time as what we call the rapture of the church. And we'll look at that in a moment. But when he says, O death, where is thy sting? He's referring to us that are going to be alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. We're not going to be faced with the sting of death. Amen. We're going to be caught up alive. We'll read about that in a moment. And then the grave, the grave's not going to have victory because those the saints of God that have already died in the Lord and are asleep in the Lord, the Lord is going to resurrect them and bring them unto himself. So the sting of death is going to be conquered by the resurrection and the the grave is going to be conquered by the resurrection. Thank God for that tonight. What a wonderful truth. This is all going to happen in a moment. Let's go, if you will, uh, to some other verses. I want to tie some verses together here tonight concerning the resurrection of the saints and the rapture of the church altogether. I want you to go over, if you will, to John, the Gospel of John, chapter uh, 14, just for a moment. We're going to look at just a few verses. Uh, and if you're not familiar with these, you might want to jot these down. Uh, the Gospel of John, I believe, chapter 14. So just read a couple of verses here. But these all have to do with the Lord coming back for his saints. The Bible says in verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. 
Notice Jesus makes a promise before he ever left this earth that he was going to leave and he was going to come again and receive us unto himself. That is a promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. Go, if you will, to the book of Acts for a moment. In the book of Acts, this all goes together with 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In the book of Acts and chapter 1, let me find my place here. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in verse 8. and He said, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, notice this, when Jesus had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go in to heaven. Those two angels standing by those disciples said, Listen, this same Jesus is leaving, is coming back again. I'm glad for that promise tonight, aren't you? Look, if you will, in First Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I know these are familiar scriptures to most of you, uh, but it's good for us to re- be reminded of these truths tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. Uh, Paul, writing to the church of Thessalonica, said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. There's that term again. Uh, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. How's that? 1 Corinthians 15, he's going to raise them bodily from the grave. Then in verse 15, again, he said, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. How many of you believe those verses we just read? Amen. Amen. They're true. They're real. This is happening. This is going to happen. Let me show you one more place. Go, if you will, to the book of uh, 1 John. Or not 1 John, 2 or 1 John. That's right. 1 John, I believe, chapter 3. First John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, the Bible said, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We can call it the day of the resurrection of the saints of God. We can call it the day of the rapture of the church. 
We can call it the day when Jesus returns for his bride. We can call it the day when Jesus makes his appearing to his people. But it's all the same thing. And the Lord said when it happens, it's going to happen in a moment. Now the Bible talks about that crowd of people that says, where is the promise of the Lord's coming? talks about the mockers and the scoffers and those who would ridicule us who believe that Jesus is coming. And they say, look, it's been 2,000 years. We've been preaching this all this time. He's still not come. So where is the fulfillment of that promise? I got news for you. It's about to happen any moment. And I just want us to think tonight about this matter of a moment. The Lord said when he comes, it will be in a moment. I looked up the definition of a moment, and that word moment comes from a Latin word, momentum. And the idea there is the idea of movement with force. (laughs) I like that. You know what happens when the Lord comes? Those that are in the grave are going to be moved (laughs) with force. We which are alive and remain are going to be caught up. We're going to be moved with force. It's not going to be our force. It's going to be His force. Amen. And we're going to move up to meet Him in the, in the air. The idea of a moment, uh, the, uh, another definition is, is the, the most minute and indivisible part of time. The most minute and indivisible part of time. Uh, the, the scripture says in the twinkling of an eye. That quick. You realize if the Lord came back today, tonight, that in a moment, that quick, we would step out of this world that we live in and we would step into the realm of eternity. Quicker than I can snap my finger. We're out of here. Amen. You believe that? That's what the Bible is teaching us. He said, in a moment, we're gone. And we're going to step out of the realm of this reality into the reality of eternity where there are no moments. There's no more time. Is that right? Where there's no sin, no sickness, no sorrow, Amen. Thank God for that in a moment. Do you really believe that? I believe that. So why do you believe that? Because God said so. Amen. I made the statement the other night, Brother Inbodens. I said, uh, we understand that the word of, we can believe the word of God because it is, we can believe in the God of the word. Isn't that right? If you can't believe in the word of God, you can't believe in the God of the Amen. word. And so tonight our confidence in what the Word of God is saying to us is rooted in our confidence in the God who said it. And if God said it will happen in a moment, then you can go to the bank on it. It's going to happen in a moment. Now I want to go back to the Old Testament and a few other places and just follow this word moment. I like to follow words through the Bible sometimes. I want us to see some incidences where God uses the word moment. And let's just look at at God 
and see whether or not God is able to perform in a moment. So we're talking about tonight the Lord coming for us in a moment, catching us out of here in a moment, emptying the graves of the saints of God in a moment. We're looking at whether or not God has the ability to perform in a moment. Does he? And then if we can think about God having the ability, then uh, we can we can also think about God's immutability. If God had the ability in the past to do things in a moment, then we can think and rejoice in God's immutability. That word means God does not change. That he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if the God that is able to perform in a moment uh, in the Old Testament, he's the same God that can perform in a moment in the New Testament. They sung the song a minute ago about being saved and being changed in a moment. That's because God is immutable. He doesn't change. Then we can look at not only God's ability and immutability, but because of his ability and his immutability, then we can say that we can count on God's dependability. You can depend on God. If God needs to act or wants to act, He can act in a moment. If God chooses to answer a prayer, He can do it in a moment. When God chooses this, when God, when God is asked to save a soul, He can do it in a moment. If God wants to heal a cripple, he can do it in a moment. If God wants to open up the ground and swallow people alive, he can do it in a moment. And when the Lord decides to come and get us and call us out of here, it's going to take him how long? A moment. I like that. You say, but it's been 2,000 years, but when God moves, phew. It'll happen. Let's look, if you will. Just I want to go back to the Old Testament. If you want to learn, uh, if you want to learn about God the Father, uh, a good place to go is learn about the attributes of God. Go back to the Old Testament, read the Old Testament, and learn some things about Him. Exodus chapter thirty-three. Look over there, if you will. Exodus thirty-three. We'll just read some verses here and just make maybe a, a comment or two about them and move on. But I, I want you to see this tonight and trust it'll be an encouragement to your heart and a challenge to you at the same time. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 1. The Bible said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. When the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man put, did put on him his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. God said, Listen. I can come up in, in a moment and consume 
thee if I choose to. Amen? That's how fast God can act. Notice, if you will, another place. Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16 and verse 19. The Bible said here there was an act of rebellion going on in the camp of Israel. In Numbers chapter 16, verse 19, the Bible said, And Korah gathered all the congregation against them. That's against Moses and Aaron. Korah gathered all the congregation against them into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses and said unto Aaron and unto Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. If you read the rest of the story, you know that God did consume that crowd in a moment. He opened up the ground in the Bible that they dropped into hell in a moment. Sometimes we wonder, when is, going to, when is God going to act in this world? When is, going to, when is God going to judge unrighteousness? When is God going to judge sin? I'm telling you, whenever He chooses to do it, it's when He's going to do it. And when He does, it won't take Him long. It'll happen in a moment. Notice, if you will, another place. Go to Job chapter 21 and verse 7. Job 21 and verse 7. Job speaking here, he said, Wherefore do the wicked live? Become old. Now, Job's looking at the wicked around him. Those that don't know God don't want anything to do with God. He said, verse 7 again, Wherefore do the wicked live, become old, yea, are mighty in power? Their seed is established in their sight with them, and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear. Neither is the rod of God upon them. Their bull gendereth and faileth not. Their cow calveth and casteth not her calf. Their seed, they, they send forth their little ones like a flock, and their children dance. They take the timbrel and harp and rejoice at the sound of the organ. They spend their days in wealth. Job says, man alive, I'm looking at the wicked. And I mean, they're prospering. Their children are doing well. Everything's going fine and dandy for them. But then he says again in verse 13, they spend their days in wealth. And in a moment, go down to the grave. That quick. You know, man, it doesn't matter how well we're doing in life, how prosperous we may be, how, how happy we may be. When it comes time for us to die, it'll happen in a moment. We'll draw our last breath and it will be over. Amen? Look, if you will, in Job chapter 20 and verse 1. Job chapter 20 and verse 1. We're just looking at some times when God uses this word moment and how quickly God can move when God chooses to move. Again, Job chapter 20, verse 1. The Bible says here, Then answered Zophar the Naamathite and said, Therefore do my thoughts cause me to answer, and for this I make haste. I have heard the check of my reproach, and the spirit of my understanding causeth me to answer. Knowest thou not this of old, since man was placed upon the earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite but for a moment. Oh, listen. The Bible talks about pleasure. There's pleasure in sin for a season. The Bible said the joy of the hypocrite, some of the hypocrites have some kind of joy, but he said, listen, that joy of the hypocrite may be full of joy right now, but in a moment, that joy will be gone. 
You know, joy is a temporal thing, isn't it? How I many of you know what it's like to have total joy in your life and in a moment it's gone? One phone call. One visit to the doctor. It can be gone that quick. Isn't that true? That quick. God said the joy in life can be gone in a moment. We better be living for something more than joy. Joy should never be the product of our living. It's a byproduct. Notice if you will. Isaiah 47 verse 6. Isaiah 47 and verse 6. The Bible says over here. God is speaking to the kingdom of Babylon. And he's pronounced judgment against them. In Isaiah chapter 47 and verse 6. He said, I was wroth with my people. I have polluted mine inheritance and given them into thine hand. In other words, God will use the kingdom of Babylon to chasten the kingdom of Israel. And then he said this, Thou didst show them no mercy. Upon the ancient hast thou very heavily laid thy yoke. And thou saidst, now this is speaking of Babylon, the kingdom now speaking. And thou saidst, I shall be a lady forever, so that thou didst not lay these things to thy heart, neither didst remember the latter end of it. Therefore hear now this, that thou art given to pleasures that dwellest carelessly, that sayest in thine heart, I am, and none else beside me. I shall not sit as a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children. But these two things shall come to thee in a moment, in one day, the loss of children and widowhood. They shall come upon thee in their perfection for the multitude of thy sorceries and for the great abundance of thine enchantments. God said this to the most powerful kingdom on the planet, the kingdom of Babylon. God said, you may make your boasts and your brags that you're always going to be the great kingdom, that you're always going to rule, and you're in, in, no matter what the prophets of God have pronounced judgment against you about, it's not going to happen. But God said, I'm telling you, in a moment, it's going to happen. You go to the book of Daniel and you read the history of the kingdom of Babylon, we find out in one moment, in one evening, the kingdom of Babylon was taken down. God is able to perform in just a moment. Isn't that true? Notice, if you will, book of Luke, chapter 4. This is interesting. I want to throw this one in. Luke, chapter 4. How many believe there's a real devil? How many believe he's your enemy? I promise you he is. In Luke chapter 4 and uh, verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, if thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now notice this. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. 
You know, I've read that, uh, I don't know how many times I've read that verse in my life. And here I was reading that a few weeks ago, and all of a sudden that just kind of jumped off the page of me. That Satan had the ability to show Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. That says something about the ability of Satan. That says something about the power of Satan. That helps me to understand I have got a tremendous foe in the devil. If he can show Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment, how quickly can he put something in my path to tempt me in my heart to turn away from God? How quickly can he throw something at me that would deceive me? How quickly can he throw something in my path to create tremendous fear in my heart? He's got that ability. Amen. Oh, how we need to realize we need the power and the wisdom of God in our lives, not every day but every moment because our adversary has the ability to deal with us in a moment. Amen? Look, if you will, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. How important is a moment? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 14. The Apostle Paul said, Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. So Paul's referencing the resurrection again. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God for which cause we faint not but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Notice this. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Paul speaking of affliction. Paul suffered for the cause of Christ in many, many ways. But he said compared to eternity, Whatever we suffer here for the cause of Christ compared to eternity, Paul suffered spiritually, Paul suffered physically, Paul suffered in so many different ways. And yet he said, compared to eternity with the Lord, when the Lord catches us out of here in a moment, compared to whatever we had to go through in this life, it's going to be just like it was a moment. Whatever whatever is breaking your heart tonight, when the Lord comes and takes us out of here, it's going to seem like it just was just for a moment when we step into eternity. Amen. It may be a health issue. It may be somebody that's broken your heart and your family, your loved ones. It may be trials and troubles. It may be your own personal failures that has brought you shame and disgrace and you want, you wish it had never happened. And all that can wear, can, can be a weight on you. But just when we step into eternity, that will all just be a moment. 
Amen. I'm thankful to God for moments. The Lord said in a moment, in a moment he's coming. I want you to consider these thoughts, these four thoughts, and you'll have the message tonight. Go if you will. Now, we're looking back now that in, at the Lord coming in a moment. Go to Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20. In verse 39. Luke chapter 20 in verse 39. Make sure I'm in the right place. Then certain of the the scribes answering said, Master, that's not the right place. I'm in the wrong place. Jesus spoke of of a group of people when the Lord comes. I don't have the right reference, so I'll just tell you what I was going to read. Jesus said that there's going to come a time when the Lord comes back, that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and uh, giving in marriage. And Jesus was talking about uh, people that were, were going to be totally uh, unconcerned about the Lord's return. Look over in Luke 17 for a moment. Luke, Luke 17, verse 26. That may have been where I wanted to go. That was it. Luke chapter 17, verse 26. And the Bible said, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Jesus here says, in a moment, in a very unconcerned moment, Jesus is coming. In the days of Lot, in the days of Noah, judgment's coming and nobody's concerned. They're eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and nobody's concerned about the warning that the Lord's judgment is coming. And he says, as it was in that day, that's the way it'll be in the day. In the moment that I come, most of the world will be totally unconcerned. How many of you find that that seems to be the attitude today? When it comes to the coming of the Lord, people are just unconcerned. They could care less. Jesus said, uh, when it comes, uh, when it comes to his coming again, in the hour, he said this, in the hour when ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Jesus said, listen, I'm going to come in a moment, and that moment's going to be an unexpected hour. It's going to be an unexpected moment when people not only unconcerned about His coming, but when they're not expecting His coming. You know, even amongst many Christians, many Christians aren't even expecting the Lord to come. At least they don't live like they're expecting Him to come. Then I want you to notice in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, so this moment when the Lord comes is going to be an unexpected moment for most. It's going to be an unconcerned moment for most. And then in 2 Thessalonians, let's read here for a moment. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Just listen to this. The Bible said, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word, 
nor by letter as from us as that day, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, uh, yet with you I told you these things, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now, The Lord is combining the two parts of his coming in these verses. Jesus is coming for the saints of God in a moment, and we're going to be caught up and raptured out of here. He's coming like a thief in the night to take his people away. Seven years later, he's coming back to set up his kingdom on the earth. And the kings of the earth, the nations, they're going to see his coming. And he's going to come to set up his kingdom on the earth. But the Bible says this about those who were not prepared for his coming. When those that are that have heard the gospel, look at this. Look what it says. The Bible says in verse 10 again, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Paul here is talking about a group of people before the Lord comes that has heard the truth. They've heard the gospel, but they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. People that come to a church house or listen to somebody, a soul winner, or somebody talk to them about the gospel. They've heard of the death, the burial, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. They realize that Christ died for their sin and would save them, and they receive not the truth. They won't get saved. They make the choice not to get saved. That's who he's talking about here. He said in a moment, in a moment when the Lord comes... Those that are not saved, even though they knew how to be, but they chose not to be, they're going to be left behind. They're going to be left behind. Notice this. He said, and for this cause, God shall send them. For what cause? That they they chose not to be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. What's the Lord saying here? There's going to be people not only unconcerned in, a, in the moment when the Lord comes and unexpecting the Lord to come in the moment he comes, but there's going to be multitudes of people that will be unprepared for his coming. When the Lord comes in the level of the clouds to catch his people out, he's taking only those who have been saved and washed in the blood of the Lamb, the born-again children of God. Everybody else is going to be left behind. Tribulation period starts on the planet. Starts, it's described in Revelation chapter 6 and goes through chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. And there's going to be two kinds of people going to be left on the earth. There's going to be people that have never heard the gospel whatsoever. And they're going to have opportunity to get saved. They're going to be multitudes saved during tribulation period. So those people who have never heard the gospel at all, there's going to be 144,000 male virgin Jews are going to preach the gospel and they're going to turn this world upside down preaching 
Multitudes of them will be saved and martyred during the tribulation period. But the other crowd that's going to be left behind are people that maybe sat in church Sunday after Sunday or came and visited every so often and they heard a clear presentation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and how God loved them and Christ died for them and would save them if they would repent of their sin and believe on Christ and they refused to do so because of their love for unrighteousness. They loved their sin more than they wanted to get saved. And in a moment when the Lord comes, that group of people that's heard the gospel and refused it, they're going to be left behind in a moment. And the Bible says, God, notice, we need to read this again. This is powerful stuff. The Bible says in verse 11, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. If Jesus came tonight, there's going to be people all over this town that's been witnessed to and witnessed to and preached to. They've had gospel tracts left on their doors and John and Romans left on their doors. They've heard the radio. They've, they've heard the preaching. Some of them have come and visited and heard the gospel and refused to get saved. They choose their sin over the Savior and they go on loving their unrighteousness and living in sin against God and they know they need to be saved. They know how to be saved, but they have chosen not to be saved yet and they're unprepared. And in a moment of that unpreparedness, they're going to be left behind. And God will cause them to believe a lie and they'll be damned. That's a horrible thought. You know anybody like that tonight? You know anybody that's heard the gospel? You've Maybe you've given it to them yourself. And they've, been, they've been witnessed to. Maybe they've come to church. They know, they know they're lost. They know they need to be saved. They even know how to be saved. But they're not saved. Jesus came tonight. In a moment, their opportunity to get saved would be gone forever. Gone. Those kind of people are not going to get saved during the tribulation period. So how do you know that? Because God said he's going to cause them to believe a lie. Now, if God calls you to believe a lie, I mean, you believe the devil can cause you to believe a lie. God's greater than the devil. And I got news for you. If God calls you to believe a lie, you're going to believe a lie. Do we know anybody like that? I want to give you one more thought. So in a moment, it's going to be an unexpected moment when Jesus comes for many of, most, most of the world. It's going to be an unconcerned moment. It's going to be an unprepared moment. For most of the world. Now the truth of the matter is. That's on them. If they're not concerned. If they're not prepared. And they could be. And they know how to be. That's their fault. Amen. But I want you to read one more verse with me. 1 Corinthians 15.34 1 Corinthians 15.34 Paul is speaking again to the church. 
And he says, awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. It's going to be an unknown moment when Jesus comes for many. And the reason it will be unknown to them is because they've never been exposed to the truth. It's one thing if they've been exposed to it and rejected. But it's another if they've never been exposed to it at all. You know why this church knocks doors? You know why you guys, you ladies, you young, all of you, you go out week after week after week after week and you leave the word of God and you try to witness to people and you pay for radio time and you have meetings and you invite people to come and every week, 52 weeks out of the year and now for almost 15 years or so, the word of God, the gospel has gone forth faithfully week after week after week and year after year after year because you do not want this 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 crowd of people around here to miss heaven uh, because they didn't know how to get there. You can't make them get saved, but you can at least expose them to the one that can save them so that they know how to get saved. And it's going to be an unknown moment for many people because nobody let them know that Jesus was coming. Nobody let them know that Jesus died for them. Paul said, I speak this to your shame. So if it's unknown to people and we could make it known to them, then that shame is on us. And we'll give an account to the Lord for that. Amen. Aren't you glad you're part of a church tonight that wants to make the gospel known to everybody? Aren't you glad you're a part of a church that doesn't just preach the gospel inside these four walls, but takes the gospel all over this community? Aren't you glad you're a part of a church that not only wants to take the gospel to this community, but wants to make him known to all the world through your missionaries? Thank God for that. Thank the Lord for that. Listen, there'll be people that'll be that's unconcerned, unexpected, and unprepared, but they don't have to be unknown. We can make sure they know. At least give them a chance and a choice. Isn't that true? Listen, you know what? I know uh, that trying to reach people in these days uh, can be tiresome, can be wearisome, can be uh, discouraging sometimes. You don't seem to see much happening. Not many responding. But if you... If you're doing your best to make it known, then you're doing what God wants you to do. Amen. Aren't you glad for that tonight? Don't quit. Don't get tired of it. Don't get fed up with it. Because the Lord said, listen, there are some that have, that they, knew, they, know, they don't know this. I speak this to your shame. We don't have to stand ashamed before the Lord. Thank God for that. Now tonight, how quickly can the Lord save a soul? Minimal. You may know somebody tonight that's part of that crowd that they know, they've heard, they know the truth. They're still not saved. They need prayed for. They need somebody weeping for them. 
somebody broken for them, interceding for them, not giving up on them, amen? Because in a moment, they can be saved if they choose to be. Amen? He's coming in a moment, that quick. We need to live moment by moment, amen? Not just day by day, year by year, but moment by moment, expecting his return. The Lord, the Lord said, comfort you one another with these words. Amen. I'm glad he's coming, aren't you? Hope it comes before the night's over. Mm-hmm.